and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the irreplaceable Matt. Hello there. Oh, crikey. So, uh, lots to get through this week. I think it's going to be another yeah. long one. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Before we start, is there anything yeah. you want to put on today's agenda? Uh, a bit of Time Lord Victoria stuff, and that's about it for me. Um, Go I'm on, assuming. Man. All right, okay, I'll get that out of the way uh, up front. So, yeah, I I won't bore people with uh, too many details, but I finished uh, The Night, The Fall and the Dead this week, the first novel. Um, And uh, overall, I I quite enjoyed it. I don't think it's perfect, but, you know, you could say that about the majority of Doctor Who, to be honest. Uh, It's kind of in its nature. Um, What I did want to particularly address with it is something that, uh, the the producers, the people behind all the Time Lord Victoria stuff, were at pains to point out um, when they were promoting it that you could just jump in with any one part and have a satisfying story. Um, so you could just pick up one of the books, you could just listen to one of the audios, you could just read the Titan comics or whatever, and that you would in- be able to enjoy that in isolation. And then if you chose to go on and, and uh, grab something else, then you'd sort of start to see how the bigger patchwork comes together, if you like. That was the claim. Um, and I just want to warn everyone, that is complete bullshit. This book ends off on a cliffhanger. Oh, right, okay. So I think... I. I'd, I think they were being a little bit cheeky and sort of bending the the, the truth a little bit in, in promoting it, which is a bit disappointing, I think. I, I'm personally, it's fine for me because I was planning on picking up both of the novels anyway. But I think yeah. at the very least, to enjoy The Night, The Fall and The Dead, you are going to want to pick up the second novel, All Flesh Is Grass, which they basically say, this is how this part of the story is going to conclude. Um so really, you're kind of getting half a story with this one. Is that second novel available now? No, it'll be co- it's coming out in December, so not too okay. long to wait. And there's other stuff coming in between. I mean, this week there's all the, the big finished stuff has been coming out as well. So I'm I'm going to be getting stuck into that this week. Um, but I was a little disappointed that it just ended off on a cliffhanger. Um, so I just kind of thought it, that was useful for people to know because if you're if you're dropping money on this. I feel like you need to know what you're getting into. Mm. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't want to sound too down on it. Like I say, I still enjoyed it. I still think it's a, you know, an an interesting start, but it it really does feel like the start of something bigger. It doesn't feel like a a, a complete story in its own right. Um, So uh, what have you got on uh, for this week? Uh, for starters, I-, I got a random email this week, and I sort of forgot that we could get emails like this. Okay, yeah. Um, so I got an email to say that Harvey Cry, I believe it's pronounced, mm-hmm. had left us a five-star review on iTunes, and I just oh. totally forgot people could do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we're so not I one mean, of those podcasts that goes out of the way to ask people to leave reviews. Yeah, so. I mean, I-, I don't really know. I think if we get more, does it make us more visible to a broader I think it audience. helps with Google algorithms and stuff like that, but... Um, yeah. I so, mean, yeah, it's... I mean, you know, we, we never come on our hands and knees begging for five-star reviews, but, no. you know, every little helps if you've got yeah. two minutes. Yeah, and it's and it's it's just lovely to know that people are out there enjoying this. I mean, we'd be doing it regardless, but I mean, um, it we... is nice to know. I'll, I'll read the review because it's actually really detailed and there's a lot of thorough feedback. Oh, is there? Okay. Yeah. I've not heard this, so... Uh, yeah. So the title is Good Podcast. <laughs> yeah. And the review is A Great Show by David and Matt Full Stop. 
Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Tells you everything you need to know. It does. Well, I mean, you know. if it was me, I'd prefer it if great was in the title. He says good <laughs> in the title, great in the review. If people don't read yeah. it. Mm. I don't know. I'm happy with good. I still think that's rather over-egging it. But, yeah, uh, I think that's a more than generous. Come on, wait, let, let's be honest. In Heart of Hearts, we're a three-star podcast, aren't we? <laughs> oh, come on. I think I think that's two and a half stars too much. <laughs> Imagine listening to a Doctor Who podcast by someone who doesn't like Doctor Who. Uh, you know, uh, that's a big part of the appeal. Don't don't do yourself down. I think that's... I know, but then when I actively denounce our listeners and say, you know, <laughs> I have no time for their opinions, I don't care for them. Mm-hmm. You know, this, it takes different strokes to move the world, doesn't it? It does. I think, I think there is a slightly masochistic element to it. Yeah. Um, uh, but but in, yes. in keeping with listener communication, uh-huh. um, this week... I solved the mystery of Jacobus the Impossible Girl. Did you? Well, at first I didn't. At uh-huh. first I had all the evidence to suggest I knew who it was. Right. And then I had one piece of the puzzle that wouldn't fit. Mm. But then uh, Jacobus sort of let their guard down oh. and I was able to solve the mystery. But I'm not going to say who it is. It's just that's, that's our, between you and them, is it? Yeah, that's our secret. They're still precious to me. <laughs> well, I'm I'm none the wiser, so uh, that's intriguing. Um, right. I mean, the the main thing I wanted to discuss before we started getting into the episode, yeah, is we're in week two of the neither the time nor the space wheelie big charity quiz. We are indeed, yeah, and. In case listeners didn't know, yesterday I set up a Just Giving page, mm-hmm. and the initial £4 that you raised last week, David, yep. is in there. Fantastic. So, you know what? I, when I, I want... listened back to last yes. week's episode, yeah. you only got three questions right. Oh, and then you did some sort it. of Jedi mind trick, going, oh, well, I got four, and I just went, oh, yeah, 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 you did. So, I mean... If it wasn't for teenage cancer, you owe me a pound. <laughs> well, should I tell you what I was going to uh, suggest? I think what I'm going to do when this is all done and dusted, I'm going to total up how many questions I got wrong, and I'm going to put a pound in for each question I get wrong. Oh, wow. I'm going to pay for my own mistakes. See, I, I formalised the rules on the Just Giving page. Oh, I need to take a look at that. Okay, so it's six questions per week. Mm-hmm. One pound per question. But if you get six out of six, I'll make it £10. Oh, wow. I mean, uh, I, I I better make sure I get a couple wrong every weekend. No. I, to be honest, I don't think there's going to be any fear of that. I, I As much as I know a fair bit, certainly more than anybody needs to know about Doctor Who, I am by no means the, the world's leading expert, unlike well, you, Matt. You, oh, yes, I am a world's leading authority. That's my new <laughs> Twitter identity. Yeah. Um... Do you want some good news, though? Yes, go for it. Uh, as soon as the Just Giving page was launched, I've set mm-hmm. an initial target of £120. Uh-huh. Because that's £10 a week over 12 weeks. Yes. Uh, as soon as it launched, we had an anonymous donation uh-huh. of of £7. So we're up to £11 now. Oh, which fantastic. Which doesn't sound a lot, but that pays for one bed for one night for a mum, dad, partner, carer to stay with a young person who's receiving treatment for their cancer. So That's amazing. 
one week and we've already put a little bit of good back in the world. That's absolutely fantastic. And I'm really excited to see where it goes from there. So uh, uh, we, obviously we'll, we'll pop a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, if anybody it, it's wants up to on check our Twitter. I did put an announcement out on Twitter that just yeah. said a very important announcement from our podcast. And fantastic. it's actually now yeah. our pinned tweet. So it's at the Great. top of our Twitter feed, which is at Time No Space Pod. So easy to find. No excuses, listeners. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I have put, on our just giving page that we are not looking for you know a sugar daddy to come in and just put 120 pounds in no you know i I just put maybe miss your weekly coffee and drop us a couple of quid yeah anything like that it's it's... one podcast i I really listen to every week is the weekly planet and when they do their charity drive they basically say donate as much money as if it fell out your pocket you wouldn't notice it that's a great way to think about it Yeah. yeah so you know I mean, even if you did £1 per week, by Christmas, that's £12. Absolutely. That's another bed paid for. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, all righty then. Uh, all that out of the way, shall we, get, shall we get stuck into this week's questions? We shall. I mean, I was going to say, did you want to bed in some quiz music? But last week you said, well, we'll see how we feel. And then when I listen back, you just haven't. Nah, nah. Okay. It's not happening, Matt. Let's be honest. Okay. Um, before we start, <laughs> I have an admission to make, and I have confessed to the people involved that this is the case. Mm-hmm. Because this idea of the really big charity quiz sort yeah. of came to me in a dream. Uh-huh. However, this week, once I'd watched Deep Breath, I went back and listened to the Married to Who episode where they talked about it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of each episode, they do a short quiz. Yeah. And they acknowledged that all their questions come from the Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit game. So <laughs> I think I must have been listening on my way to work and had the idea sublimely put in my brain. Maybe. Who knows? However, when I sent a message to Jake apologising, saying, oh, I'm really, really sorry, he just went, oh, don't worry, the same thing happened to me. It turns out Verity have been doing it for years. Oh, yeah, Verity have been doing it. I think also Radio Free Scarrow have recently been doing a couple. Boo. We hate Radio Free Scarrow. <laughs> don't forget they're our enemy. <laughs> They're top of the tree. That's where me, you, Cloyster Bell, married to who, we're mm-hmm. we're gunning for them. <laughs> sure. I've never even listened. They're probably really nice people, but they, they definitely are. They're good eggs. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, let's um, get let's let's get cracking. Right. So, question one. The topic is time lords. Okay. Okay. So the master uses a device called Tomit. Or Tomtit, sorry. Tomtit, yeah. To create a slow time field in the time monster. Mm-hmm. What does Tomtit stand for? Oh, God. I've only seen the time monster once. I cannot for the life of me remember what Tomtit stands for. Okay, time oscillator machine. Tit. Tit. You've still got I, I can't do it. I can't do it, no. Okay, what, so what it's is it? transmission of matter through interstitial time. Not <laughs> even certain interstitial's a word. It is a word, but it, that that as a as as a phrase makes absolutely no sense. Um, interestingly, the same could be said for everything that happens in the time monster. <laughs> yep. It's a great story, though. Won't hear a word against it. Um, okay, okay, next one. Question two: Companions. Mm-hmm. Captain Avery appeared alongside the 11th Doctor in Series 6. Ah, he did. 
but in which first Doctor story is he mentioned? Oh, goodness. I'm gonna... I, I can't think now. I, I, it's gonna be... Because, uh, I, 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 you know, he's not appeared in another historical story before. Um, I'm just gonna hazard a guess vaguely, just because it's been, it's been a while since I've watched most of the first Doctor's era. There is certainly an episode... I'm trying to think of an episode which features like any kind of ships or anything like that. And the only thing that's coming to mind is the chase because there's an episode where they uh, do the whole Marie Celeste thing. It's almost certainly not that, but I'm going to say the chase. I'm sorry to tell you, it's yeah. the smugglers. Ah, I've never seen the smugglers because it's it's missing. So, or at least partially missing. So that's one I, I need to get around to. That would have made yeah. sense. I should have said the smugglers. Oh well, moving on. Next question: episodes and stories. Mm-hmm. What is unusual about the dogs on the planet Barcelona that the Doctor tells Rose about in The Parting of the Ways? They have no noses. They have no noses. One pound in the pot this week. Nice. Okay, next question. This is years and dates. Okay. Which 1981 hit by Tight Fit did Mr. Crane play to drown out the sounds of the cyber conversion facility on Pete's World? Oh, um... I don't know the official name of it. It's like In the Jungle. Is that what it's called? Uh, um, you know, In the Jungle, the Mighty... I don't know the name of the, uh, the song. Just just keep singing it. <laughs> just just keep singing. Uh, you, no, Keel, well, you can accept that, surely. In the Jungle, the Mighty Jungle. Finish yep. the line, David. The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Correct. Hey, Two pounds in the pot. Right. Okay. I, I have to accept the answer on the card. Yes, I understand. Okay, question... What are we on? Question five. Monsters. When Sergeant Benton leaves unit, what does he do instead? Oh, God. Um, now, okay, so I always get... I, this is, uh, some classic fans will be shaking their heads in dismay at this. I get Benton and Yates confused all the time. But, okay, so it's not Yates. Okay, so Ben, what does Benton do? What does Benton do? I've, I can only picture him in unit uniform. I don't recall him doing anything else. Maybe it's, I, I don't know, maybe pops up in a seventh Doctor story I've not seen or something. Not got a clue. Um, works for the master. He sells second-hand cars. How is how is that related? Is this? I thought that was the monsters question. Yeah, it is. Don't What's know. that got to do with? I mean, a used car salesman, I guess, is a kind of monster. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you would not be getting the green wedge of cheese for treating no. soup. No. Oh. Okay. Final question. Yeah. This is cast, crew, and beyond. Okay. Clive Swift played Mister Copper in Voyage of the Damned. But in what 90s sitcom did he play the long-suffering Richard Bucket? Keeping up appearances. Correct. So oh, that is thank three goodness. pounds for the week. I was I was dreading it then for a second because I because th- he also appeared as a character in a classic story, and it's one that I've not seen yet. So I was really worried that it, the question was going to be what was the name of the character he played in. Uh, 
Oh, one of the Dalek stories, I think it was. One of the late period ones. Uh, but anyway, so I'm very, very glad that uh, I managed to get that. So, yeah, three out of six this week. That seems to yeah. be my average. But like I say, if people are listening to this, they they can make up the other six pounds, can't they? Of course they can. So, <laughs> you know, by next week, I'd like to see somebody donate three pounds. Mm. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, see how we go. Um... So uh, that's all the preamble out of the way this week, isn't it? I hope. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. only thing I've got left to discuss is yeah. obviously heading into today's episode, we, we're we meeting Capaldi. We are, yeah. Yeah. So I, I noticed, again, our friends at Married to Who, they are approaching the end of Series 9. Right, okay. And put a message out asking for thoughts and opinions on mm-hmm. the episode they're reviewing. And I said, obviously, I've not got there, yeah. but uh, I'd be interested to know their thoughts on Capaldi. Yes. Just as, you know, an introductory statement. Mm-hmm. So Jake replied and said, at risk of speaking for the others, I think he's everyone's favourite Doctor so far. Mm. In terms of the guys on their show, the girls might still be on Smith. As for what makes him so great, he's simply the best actor of the bunch. There are so- also some excellent writers... Brought in during this era. Mm. So I I was excited to see that. Yeah. I was excited to see that. But mm-hmm. I I don't think we necessarily see it in this episode. I would agree with that. Um, it's a wobbly start, Deep yeah. Breath. Um, it, it's a plot some that wa- goes nowhere. Yeah. In t- it, some ways, intentionally wobbly. Um, but, okay. So my big criticism with Deep Breath is that it is far longer than it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a, a fantastic 45 to 60 minute episode tucked away in this story. Um, but, you know, as much as it pains me, because you know me, I love the Paternoster gang. I love it when Moffat um, brings the funny most of the time. But there is too much banter in this episode. Yeah. Like, most of the banter is of a very high quality. But I, I was going to point, say, I just, think the, yeah. the humour works for me mm-hmm. in this episode. And it doesn't always yeah. in Doctor Who. No, it definitely works in this. But there is too much of it. And after a certain point, it starts to, starts to really slow down and drag down the episode. Um, but I, I would say, as well as the humour, yeah. what else works for me in this episode... Yeah, is Clara. I think this is possibly the best episode I've seen of Clara. Uh, uh, hands down, one of the things I wanted to mention up top was that Jenna Coleman's acting in this is magnificent. I think she is really, really strong in this story. And it's the first time that I think we really start to crystallise who this Clara, you know, Clara Prime, as she's sometimes sort of jokingly <laughs> yeah. referred to, Um who this Clara actually is. We've got yeah. glimpses here and there, but this is where we really... I I think in some ways, by sort of putting the Doctor at arm's length for a lot of the story, it actually allows us to really focus on Clara. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, one that's definitely some one thing that this story does really well. Um, one of the other things I wanted to mention up top is uh, the director... Because I think it's it's notable. It's not often we get a director of this caliber in terms of you know I, you know 
their CV, shall we say. Whether or not you think they're actually directed this episode well, that's open to debate. But um, the director is Ben Wheatley. I don't know if that's a name that means anything to you. No. Um, he's... His, his films aren't exactly the most successful films ever, but he is definitely something of an auteur. He he does a lot of stuff in the sort of uh, black comedy, horror, thriller kind of stuff. Um, I've not seen most of his stuff, but uh, I have seen the film Sightseers, which is, for my money, one of the best black comedies um, of uh of the uh the century so far it's a really great little film um he's also been, been uh well known i think for uh, a field in england which is a film i've wanted to see for a really long time high rise which was a uh, jg ballard adaptation from a few years ago uh free fire which is I, I love the concept of i'm very keen to see it one day which is a film where it's basically one extended shootout like the whole film is one shootout scene Right. Um, so he's he's interesting in that he's a a director that has some sort of high concept ideas, isn't afraid to go highbrow, but by the same token, there's a lot of humour, there's a lot of horror. So there is an accessibility to what he does still. It, it's not like he's not like a sort of art house director just doing chin strokey stuff for the sake of it. Um so if, if you were ranking this episode yeah because once we got close to episode 100 we sort of fell out of habit yeah would you call this a good episode with bad bits or a bad episode with good bits mm. i definitely say good episode bad bits yeah i, I think that's I'd where i sit probably agree yeah i think i'd probably agree so one more question just before we jump into things yes that i think it's important we raise is Obviously, we're recording a little bit earlier than we would today. Mm -hmm. So I can't ask, what did you have for lunch? So, David, what did you have for breakfast and what are you planning to have for lunch? Okay, breakfast, toast. Okay, anything on it? Um, (laughs) Yeah, bit of Marmite. Oh, nice. Yeah, can't go wrong with that. Um, And also, I will cop to the fact that I had a mid-morning Jaffa cake. Oh, lovely stuff. Yeah. Uh, What about you? Uh, So I've just had coffee. Because yesterday, I just had a random day off. My school just mm-hmm. closed for one day. Yeah. Um, so I made a pilgrimage to Big Morrison's. Yeah. And I spent the day... I just baked a massive cheek... Uh, not cheek. Chicken <laughs> leek and bacon pie. So I'm wow. probably going to have some of that for lunch. I had that for my tea mm. last night. Good work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in fact, I... one thing I, I have forgotten to mention. Yeah. This week, we... Cra- we crossed the threshold for 5,000 downloads. Now, ordinarily, mm-hmm. that is tradition that you would sing on the podcast. <laughs> tradition now, is it? Yeah. Okay. But I noticed loads of people on Twitter have basically said, oh, I hope David does the Bertha song, the song, mm-hmm. the theme song from Bertha. Yeah. But I'm worried Bertha's going to turn into a little bit like when Robot Wars plagued our podcast. So, David, I you think don't have is. to sing this week. You know, fuck the listeners. <laughs> if, they, if they want to sing, they can start their own pod. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I really don't want Bertha to become the new Robot Wars. No. So I don't know. We almost need to just talk about Doctor Who. I think so. But other podcasts I listen to don't have this trouble. <laughs> you know, they're far more focused. I listened to Cloister yeah. Bell yesterday, 
And like I, I say, just, when I when yeah. I watch an episode, I usually listen to the Married to Who episode because they're a little bit ahead of us. Yeah. You know, and they don't go off on these sort of tangents. No, it's just uh, Doctor Who from start to finish. By their listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, you don't have to sing this week. That's good news. All right then, shall we get uh, stuck into it then? Yeah. There's a lot to get through. So we'll jump in then. This is Deep Breath, which is episode one of season eight. Yep. From the 23rd of August, mm-hmm. 2014. Again, released in cinemas. Was it? Yeah, um, I think that's partly uh, the explanation for the for the length. The, uh, the 50th anniversary did really well for them as a mm. cinema release. So they decided to do the same with the first episode of uh, Series 8. I'd be I slightly disappointed if I'd seen this in the cinema, I think. Mm, yeah, I think I would have been as well. Compared it's... to the 50th. Yeah. In, you're not getting the same value for money, are you? No. Uh, uh, the thing is, whilst first doctor like first episodes with new doctors are exciting and intriguing and you know, it's it's like unwrapping a new Christmas present or something, but it's always a Christmas present that it's actually going to take you a while to figure out. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a little it's... bit like um on a micro level, the entirety of um, Eccleston's run, where he was setting everything up. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I feel like we, you know, this episode sets a new tone for the series. Oh, it def- it definitely does. Things like that. So, yeah, like I say, I don't feel I've seen Capaldi at his best because he's only really Capaldi's Doctor for twenty minutes at this episode. Absolutely, and it's kind of it, um, whilst you get more of him in this story than you did, say, Tennant in his first story. He's not just lying around in bed, but he is spending most of the episode sort of discombobulated and and uh, not not quite himself. Mm. So um, yeah, it, it I think it is an odd one to 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 uh, go for as a cinema release, but I think they were just you know. The, the marketing people were just capitalising on past successes and uh, you can't blame them for that, I suppose. But, no. uh, yeah, I do, every time I watch this, I'm just like, there must be like a fan edit or something out there that just trims some of the fat. Yeah, well, it's funny because I, I put yeah. a message out on Twitter saying, you know, we're sitting down to record this. Yeah. Um, if anyone had any thoughts. And straight away, Frank, who won our poetry competition, has mm-hmm. been in touch and he says exactly what we're saying here. It feels too bloated. Could have done with some fat trimming. Yeah. You know, so there are individual bits to enjoy, but, you know, it's just too big, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, let's uh, let's rattle through it, shall we? Right, so... See what we make of it. We open with... I've put dinosaurs in London, but it's just one. Mm. Just the one. T-Rex. Absurdly oversized... T-Rex. And I, I appreciate, with this being a BBC production, they're probably using footage from Walking With Dinosaurs, like <laughs> a nature documentary. But how come yeah. this is almost 25... No, it'd be about 20, because this is five years yeah. ago. Yeah. Years after Jurassic Park. And no one's got dinosaurs looking as good as Jurassic Park. <sighs> well, for one thing, with Jurassic Park, it's, it's a lot more practical than people think. Mm. Um, and also Hollywood budget versus BBC budget. There's, there's your honest answer. Yeah, but you would have thought 
with inflation and advances in technology, but CGI dinosaurs still just look really rubbery and C- yeah, CGI is still really expensive. That's mm. that's the honest uh, truth of it. Like, there's no getting around it. Every frame costs a lot of money because it's just it's it's the sheer. I think it's more just you have you have to have quite a lot of people working on it, especially to turn it around in time for for TV because. Because TV post production happens a lot quicker than film post production. Mm. It's just a much tighter deadline, so you've got a lot of people working very quickly to make something that looks acceptable for TV. Um, so under the circumstances, I don't think it's bad. Um, it does slightly, ra- even though they lampshade it later in the in dialogue, it does bother me how absurdly big the dinosaur is. Yeah. It's like bigger than Big Ben, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, so, so, Vastra, Jenny and Strax arrive. So mm-hmm. that sort of hints at what time period we're in. It does rather. You know, my favourite, the old Victorian setting. Does ha- does having the familiar faces of the Paternoster gang help to soften the blow of the Victorian era a bit for yeah, you? Yeah, because really, the era's sort of irrelevant in this adventure you know it, it could, more it could is, be yeah. set further in the past further in the future doesn't yeah. really matter does it it, it yeah it they, they only it only lands at that particular time because it gives us an excuse to have some familiar faces yeah so jenny senses something in the t-rex's throat yeah and it coughs up the tardis yeah and i've put there's a man here who doesn't get biology and he says it's laid an egg Yes, he's uh, he's the sort of police chief, or or maybe not chief, but like a detective of some description, um, who's obviously familiar with uh, the with the gang from past exploits by the the way he talks with them. So they give that man it's like gas lantern type things, isn't it? That say it'll act as almost a trap, barriers to keep the T Rex from crossing these lines. Yeah, it's some sort of sonic technology. That's yeah. uh... and then he, sorry, they then go to the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Strax knocks on the door, says that you know they need to surrender the TARDIS to the Great Sontaran Empire. <laughs> yeah, and Capaldi greets them, except mm-hmm. he doesn't really greet them. He can't remember anything. He doesn't know who they are. Doesn't yeah. know what they want. He's you know, he's just he's panicking. just a confused old man, isn't he? Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Um, and then Clara, who's also yeah. on board, says something's wrong, and the doctor says everything's going dark, and he faints. Mm-hmm. And Vastra basically, as a little nod to the audience, just goes, "Here we go again." Not just a nod to the audience, nod to the classic fans as well. That's exactly what the brigadier says when the third doctor regenerates into the fourth. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's a direct uh, callback to that. Uh, We then get some new theme music. We do, and a brand spanking new title sequence. Mm. And a nice bit of trivia about this uh, title sequence. Um, It was uh, based on a fan-made version that someone popped up on YouTube, a chap called Billy Hanshaw, and Moffat happened to see it and was so impressed by it that he uh, got in touch with him and, and, and got him to kind of recreate it with the professional in-house graphics team. Oh, 
Oh, that's pretty nice. Yeah, it's really lovely. Uh, it has rather given rise to ev- ever since. Every any time there's like a new series of Doctor oh, Who coming out, just thousands of people doing them. Yeah, yeah, just Thinking. just like here's my here's my pitch for a, and you know they're all hoping that to to kind of. Uh, recapture like, that, but I don't think it's ever. Everyone buying up Wonka bars, thinking they're going to be the one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it's. I don't blame them because it, it's a nice thing to do if you enjoy doing sort of like motion graphics and stuff like that. And I do really like this title sequence, and it divides opinions a little bit. What do you think of it? Um, I mean, my immediate reaction was that I, I didn't like the music, right? But the thing is, because it's quite different. I found it quite jarring in that it mm-hmm. is so different. But I don't know. I need to give it a bit of time to get used I, to. I didn't in want some to make ways, an immediate judgment and say, mm-hmm. oh, this is terrible. In some ways, jarring is the entire purpose of this first episode. Yeah, I mean... It's meant to be a shock to the system. We haven't really mentioned it, but this whole episode is basically... I mean, Clara's a substitute for the audience. It's basically yes. them saying... Things are different. Get used yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it lampshades it. Possibly, I think it... Whilst I don't... I, I, I understand the impulse to do that. I think there are times when it over-eggs that a little bit. Mm. And I'll sort of highlight them as we come. But, but oh, that's my door. Okay, give me a second. I hope it's just an Amazon I man. I'd hate to think I like heard David getting murdered across our Skype call. I mean, like, a good episode of Criminal Minds. I think I watched one once where there was a girl that was murdered and they were able to Just the post, Marcy. Just the post. God, one thing after another today, isn't it? I know. Don't worry, I I definitely wasn't speaking to the listener whilst you were absent. (laughs) Don't worry about that. That's a little treat for the edit for you. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, then. So, they try to get the doctor to sleep they understand whenever he regenerates rest is pretty much the best way forward isn't it tends to be Uh, this i'll tell you what there's no other show that would be like i know what will be a great way to get uh newcomers on board have the main character be discombobulated and mostly lying down for their first again when i listen to the married to who review of this the way they said it was like imagine you were thinking of watching Doctor Who and you thought, oh, there's a new Doctor, that'll be a good jumping on point. What the hell would you make of this episode if that was the case? Oh, this is this is definitely... Out of all of the new Doctor stories, this is probably the worst jumping on point we've had you know, so far. You, you watch the opening five minutes, there's a big dinosaur in the past mm-hmm. and there's a lizard lady and her potato friend trying to solve Who are given no, no context or introduction. Yeah, and then there's an angry old man that for some reason they seem keen to help despite the fact he's a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah. So I did like the line where they try and help him and he yeah. sort of, you know, he explains... Well, he questions why there's a bedroom. Why would you just have a room that you only use at night? And <laughs> when you're asleep. But I like yeah. the line where he says, don't look in the mirror, it's absolutely furious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's a lot of lines about uh, Capaldi's severe visage in yeah. this uh, story. And I guess it, it is a big jump, isn't it, to go from cuddly, friendly, admittedly weird-looking, but but in a jolly way, Matt Smith, to this sort of crinkly, furious, 
Yeah, old but, man. You know, Capaldi is allowed to smile. They, they've, like, created this version of the Doctor. Mm. Admittedly, I've only seen this one episode. Yeah. No, he's rarely charming and happy, is he? <laughs> no. Um... Yeah, I mean, who knows? We've got a long way to go. Yeah. You might see him crack a smile in an episode at some point. But, uh, so yeah, not not much of that to go around this time. Whilst they're trying to get him to sleep, Vastra uses a psychic link to knock him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we get a comedy sound effect. I, that is... Of, of all the editing choices that have ever been made in the history of Doctor Who, that is the one that mystifies me the most. How did that make it onto the broadcast like, edit? It's like a weird sort of bonk on the head. Yeah, noise. it's like it's like straight out of a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. I, it's such a bizarre choice. Yeah, not oh, in keeping man. with the tone of the episode at all. <laughs> no, nope. just, just kind of there. So the dinosaur's still on the loose, and Clara asks why the Doctor is old when he's new. Yeah, and I think. This is one of my favourite bits of the episode. Is mm-hmm. I mean, it's no secret, I, I really like Jenny as a character. Yes. And she gives this speech about love. Yeah. Um, you know, she basically says, I'm married to a lizard woman. Like, I don't <laughs> really care about appearances. Yeah, yes, yeah. She couldn't put it any, any more bluntly than that. But yeah, she's a, she's a great character, you know. Yeah. I, and- I, I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say on record now, Jenny and Vastra are my absolute favourite fictional interspecies lesbian power couple. Oh, there's a there's a strong claim. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm gonna have to try and top that for next week, aren't I? <laughs> Let me have a think. No. It it'll come to me. Mm-hmm. It'll come to me. Right. So the doctor is mumbling in his street. In his sleep, sorry. Yeah. And, again, another little bit that I always like. Strax calls Clara boy. Oh, yes. Throughout. I, 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 um, I, as well as a strong episode for Clara, this is one of the best Paternoster Gang episodes, I think. Oh, definitely. E- each of them is given their opportunity to shine. Yeah. I think this is also... it's In some ways, it's almost like backdoor pilot for a spin-off. Yeah. Like, you, you, you see their spin-off potential... It really clearly in this one. I'm sure you could, I've asked you could this almost before. don't have this story and just do without the Doctor. I'm sure I've asked this before, but is there big finish? There is. There is. Everything? I've I've heard the first one because they popped it up for free for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if you like this sort of business, it's it's more of that. I don't know whether it, it whether it goes deeper or anything, but like they definitely they lean into the humour and the sort of pulpy. Sherlock Holmesy kind of vibe. Yeah, but that's sort of where they're best, isn't it? Ex- exactly. Yeah. So um, I'm really keen to pick up the rest at some point, but you know, as soon as my bank uh, balance will allow. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I really like them. They are so good in this story. Um, my favourite Strax moment of all, well, Strax and Clara, is when he's offering to take her coat and she's like I'm not wearing a coat uh, and what about your hat and she's walking away and she just sort of says in exasperated voice it's hair yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to my favourite Strax bit later in the episode yeah yeah so as we see the dinosaur still sort of rampaging round there's an odd man watching it mm-hmm. and as he turns we realise he's got half his head missing 
and yes. we can see his inner workings and his clockwork. Yes. Okay. Were bells being rung for you yet? Well, I I did sort of they think, oh, of... I've, I've seen clockwork people before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, they kind of lampshade it throughout the episode. Um, yeah. It's interesting to know at what point the penny drops for you. Um, but I love the design of the, the half-faced man, as he's it, known. Is that his name? That's his name in terms oh, right. of... Like, well, in my notes, I've called him stuff. the clockwork man, so I'll try and refer well, to him as half-face. Well, e- e- either way works, but the, 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 the design, the performance, everything... We'll get more onto it later, I think, really shines later in this story, but uh, yeah... So simple, so creepy. And as he's watching, he steals another man's eyes. Yes, yeah. It, it's that guy who's in everything. Yeah, Tony Way. Yeah. He's, he, uh, he's in Afterlife, the mm-hmm. uh, Ricky Gervais thing. He was yep, in that he's in... Des that I watched that had David Tennant in it. He's, he's, he's in a couple of episodes of Game of Thrones. Yes, yes he is. Yeah. Uh, he's in an episode of Spaced. Is he? Yeah, he, do you know the, the episode where they have a party, like housewarming party, and uh, Daisy picks up, uh, I think he's like a post boy or something, and he's right. just sat in an armchair playing his Game Boy the entire time. Right. Um, yeah, no, he's he's one of those guys who just, if you just want somebody to, to come in and do a, a distinctive little turn for five minutes, he's there. <sighs> I totally forgot you know, he was in Game of Thrones. He's like the fool, isn't he, that just yes. bullies? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he's got like a unique look to him, hasn't he? Definitely, definitely. He's he's one of those, it's that guy, guys. Yeah. So, it's at this point I've put, Clara is already better than she was all of last series. <laughs> uh, she's concerned about the Doctor ageing. And yeah. I, I wondered if she was worried that, you know... He was aging in the sense that he's getting old as the Doctor. You know, mm. he's over 900 years old. I wonder whether she wondered if each regeneration he would start older. Maybe, if that yeah. Sense. yeah. Um, so the Doctor wakes up and smells something. Mm-hmm. And he then writes on the floor and the walls in chalk. Yeah. Uh, we get a really good scene here where Vastra is questioning Clara. and. Yes you know, wonders whether she is concerned or whether she's just judging the Doctor yeah. for being old. Exactly. She she like she puts on her veil and you get this this whole discussion where where sort of the veil is a is a metaphor effectively for um the doctor's past regeneration and she's basically making the argument he's by by becoming older, showing his age more truly He's sort of lifting the veil. Hmm. He's tr- it's it's an act of trust in Clara that he's ended up with his face. Is it this scene which begins where Vastra is painting Jenny? No, that comes later. Is that later? We, we'll mention that. We'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the doctor has finished writing all his notes on the floor and the walls, and he's mm-hmm. now on the roof talking to the T Rex. Yeah. We yeah. know he can speak, baby. He can speak yeah. loads of different languages. Turns out he can talk dinosaur. Why not? Yeah, he's kind of flirting with the T-Rex, isn't he? Yeah, he keeps saying he's not flirting, but he also kind of... He refers to her as a big, sexy woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as he's talking to the T-Rex, it just sets a light. Yeah. Bet so, you didn't see that coming. No. 
big <laughs> flaming dinosaur. Yeah. In the middle of London. You know, but, I'm pretty yeah. certain if I went back to my primary school, like, storybooks, I'd probably wrote yeah. a story very similar to that. Yeah, and I do like that, whilst on paper it sounds wacky, that it, it, this episode somehow manages to bring the tragedy out of that. Oh, yeah. Like, the doctor's it's a, it's a, clearly upset at what's yeah, happening. Yeah, everyone is. Everyone that we, we, we know is, is, is horrified by what's happened here. Um... So yeah, and he obviously he immediately just sets off, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. So he steals a horse. Yes. To go see what's going on. Vastra rallies her troops to go mm. investigate, uh, but she doesn't realise that the Doctor's also heading to the T Rex. Yeah. So when they arrive, the Doctor's sort of stood on the handrail of the bridge at the Thames. Yeah. Um, and he's heartbroken that the T-Rex is dead. Yeah. But whilst looking out across the river, he sees the clockwork man, the half-faced man. Yeah. And I, I don't really know what happens here. I thought his intention was to swim across the Thames to approach the, the half-faced man, but he just jumps in the water. Well, I think he was planning to pursue, but presumably loses him at some point. Yeah. But yeah, effectively, the Paternoster gang just say, well, he's going to investigate. The best yeah. thing we can do is catch up with yeah. him later and yeah. see his findings. Because so, I, I do like the... the um, before he leaves, he, he's sort of talking to them about it. And, and his his question to them is... And this is a classic bit of Doctor thinking... He's like, you know, this awful thing has happened. So the question here is, has there been any similar murders? Yeah. And for a second, it's a joke. Until Vastra reacts and says, actually, yes, there have been. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, that we've actually got our hook for this story. Um, and this is the point that I, I, I mentioned, you know, we have our hook for this story. It's taken, what, 20, 25 minutes to get there? Mm. This is what I mean about this story. Whilst you can, there is so much good humour and it's great to see the Paternosters of gang and, and all that, it it just feels flabby. Yeah. You know, this should have been coming five minutes in. Um, but there's just a lot of faff flapdoodle to get, to get there. Yeah. But yeah. So we start the next scene the following morning and we see that Strax has brought the TARDIS back to... Paternoster Gang HQ. Yeah. He says, you know, it's basic military strategy. At some point, the Doctor's going to return to the TARDIS. If we have the TARDIS, we'll find the Doctor. Yeah. And I like this part where he mm -hmm. says, oh, I've also got the Morning Times. Do you want the newspaper, Clara, who's up in yeah. the window? Yeah. And when she says yes, yeah. he pulls his arm back. <laughs> and I thought, well, he's obviously not going to throw it. He's going to chuck it through the window or he's going to try and it's going to hit the wall and comically mm -hmm. fall down. Yeah. But no, just launches it, smacks Clara clean between the eyes. Yeah. Best bit of Clara slapstick we've seen so far. Yeah. 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 And, you know, just a good scene for Strax. Definitely. So in the next scene, Strax is doing a medical on Clara. Mm -hmm. And when she asks why, he says, well, if you're going to join our gang... I need to make sure you're fit for combat. Mm -hmm. And what he's basically saying it there is, I don't have that much faith the Doctor's going to come back. 
you may yeah. well be stuck here with us. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's quite funny when he does the uh, the medical. Again, there's a joke about put your clothes on and she's mm-hmm. fully dressed. So, whilst that's going on, the Doctor is sort of meandering through the streets of London mm-hmm. and bumps into just a vagrant man. Yeah. Uh, and I like this acknowledgement because the Doctor catches his reflection and says, oh, I feel I've seen this face before. Yes. And yeah, obviously so we have. We have indeed, yeah. His, his exact words, I believe, are, who frowned me this face? Ah, okay. Which I think is a, a lovely uh, turn of phrase. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, interesting note about uh, the chap playing the tramp. Yeah. Um, uh, a chap called Brian Miller, uh, very well known to Doctor Who fans. Uh, for one thing, he was married to Elizabeth Sladen. Okay. Who sadly obviously had passed away by this point. Um, but he, he has also previously appeared in uh, several classic Who stories, uh, Snake Dance, Resurrection of the Daleks, and Remembrance of the Daleks. Um, and he would also, I'm looking on here on Wikipedia, I wasn't aware of this before, played the role of Whiston in a 2005 stage production of The Trial of Davros. I've no idea what that is. Oh, wow. So who who did he go. play in Remembrance of the Daleks? Because that's the one we've seen, isn't it? Uh, oh, yes, it is. Um, I'm going to find that out because, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't consciously uh, looked for it at the time. Let's see. Uh, I'd be interested if he was somebody of note or whether he was one of the background, you know, like skinhead characters. He might have just been in the background, to be honest. Do you know what? The really worrying thing is to sort mm-hmm. of fill this dead air whilst you're searching yeah. that. My mind immediately just started going. Bertha, lovely Bertha, you are a wonderful machine. <laughs> oh, it's uh, he did uh, he voiced Daleks. Oh, okay, two. okay. So there you go. Ah, so See, that makes sense why he's appeared in many if he was provided. Yeah, that. Um, he, he we had an on-screen character appearance in in Snake Dance, mm-hmm. um, which uh, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, yeah. So it's 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 nice nice to have him back for this. I think he's very good in this scene. It's a it's a very jarring scene. Yeah. Uh, so the doctor he's... wants to know why or even if he chose this face. Yeah. Is it a message to himself? Mm. And he says that the cross eyebrows maybe are. Yes. You know yeah. that they're a reflection of something. I I love all the eyebrow talk in this. You know, this was attack eyebrows. You know, it starts out all right, and you get to the eyebrows, and the whole thing goes haywire. So he also, in amongst all the rubbish in the alleyway, mm-hmm. sees a newspaper story of spontaneous yeah. combustion. Mm-hmm. So that again hooks us into that main plot. Uh, this is the scene where Vastra is painting Jenny. Yes. Yeah. So we see them talking, having a discussion. Mm-hmm. Jenny's scantily dressed for the time. Yeah. Um, and posed posing. very artfully. Yeah. But it turns round. <laughs> sorry, Vastra turns round the the board that she's working on, and actually, mm-hmm. it's just a pin board investigating these spontaneous combustions. <laughs> yeah. And she just sort of had Jenny there for her own pleasure. Yeah, just her her inspiration. Yeah, I mean, I say. think it's before this we haven't noticed. Sorry, we haven't mentioned. There's the chat where Jenny's like, 
Oh yeah, in order to keep our relationship secret, I pretend I'm the maid uh, yeah. when we're out in public. And yeah. she's like, but it doesn't explain why I have to pour the tea in private and dress <laughs> like a maid when there's only us home. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting dynamic they have, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, there's a real warmth to it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you, I know you, that they're like you, you... kick-ass ninjas mm-hmm. and we see it later on, you know, where Vastra is quite clearly more powerful than Jenny. Mm-hmm. But behind closed doors, there is a genuine warmth to them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, 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 they're sort of uh, back on the case, as it were. Yeah. And as Vastra holds up the newspaper to look at the different cases of spontaneous combustion, Clara sees an advert on the reverse of the page for the impossible girl. Yeah. It says, impossible girl, lunch on the other side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she couldn't work out whether that meant the other side of the Thames or whether it was the other side of this mystery, once it's solved, we'll go for mm-hmm. lunch. Mm-hmm. But when the paper's held up to the light, Clara realises it means the other side of the paper, because on the opposite yeah. side, there's a printed advert for a restaurant. Yes. Okay. So they meet for lunch, herself and the doctor. Mm-hmm. And the doctor stinks. Yes. And Clara's very cross with him. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's, uh, yeah. Because he constantly he's... refers to her as an egomaniac. And I do like yes. that the the bit where Clara says, "Look, there's nothing more important than my ego." And then they sort of sit in <laughs> solemn silence for a minute. Yeah. And just she's like, like "Ignore, I just said that." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And this is what I mean. Where it's like, I feel like we're finally. We we're getting we're getting to to know the true Clara mm. here, um, which is really nice and gratifying. Uh, uh, yeah, I love the scene. I would say basically from this point on, from the moment they enter the restaurant until the conclusion of this story, um, it's really it's all gold as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's quite a um, strong finish. Yeah, it just it yeah it just takes way too long to get get here really. Um, so yeah, to, to kind of tease out what they were saying there, um, th- there's basically a misunderstanding because the doctor and uh, Clara have seen the same advert. Yeah. Clara assumed it was from the doctor. The doctor assumed it was from Clara, and they eventually realised that that means neither of them actually placed the advert. Well, when when we get to the end of the episode. Yeah, I'm going to make a bold prediction for this series okay. as to Great. who I think placed that advert. All right. Well, we'll we'll get there when we get there. But for now, all that we know is um, that, as, as the doctor says, somebody obviously wants to keep us together, yeah. and he he posits the theory that it might be the same woman uh, or, or same person who who was the woman in the shop who gave clara the number to ring the tardis if you can cast your mind back to the bells of st john well i i may as well reveal my theory now because yeah, i thought that came later in the episode but no so i think somebody it's somebody wants to keep clara and the doctor together yeah and it's a woman yes so i'm going to make a bold prediction i think in the past i said i thought this was river song yeah but given the sort of shift to capaldi I, yeah i you know, I don't think she's, you know, if she's here, she's not going to be as prevalent. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go on record as saying the woman that is keeping Clara and the Doctor together 
is Jodie Whittaker's doctor. Oh. Because neither would recognise her, Mm -hmm. because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And perhaps there's an acknowledgement at the end, you know, maybe in a similar way to Rose, perhaps the doctor sets off on a dark path, Mm -hmm. and it's Clara that pulls him back. Yeah. So perhaps, you know, the doctor really does need Clara, and it's only through his possible death regeneration mm. into Whitaker that he acknowledges that mm. so my that's a really interesting theory my bold prediction is at the end of their story mm-hmm. the doctor realizes how much he relied on Clara how much he needed Clara to mm-hmm. perhaps prevent something terrible happening mm-hmm. so he retrospectively drops in these little points to keep them together that's a really cool well, idea. Well, obviously, yeah. by that point, it'll be Whitaker, who is yeah. the woman in the shop that nobody recognises. Yeah. Okay. So that is my bold prediction. A very bold prediction indeed. We'll I mean, I might change it next out. week if we get more. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, but anyway, yes. So they're in the restaurant and they start to notice something's funny up with the customers. Yeah. None of the customers are eating or breathing. Yeah, I, I do bit like of a giveaway, bit, isn't it? <laughs> I like the bit where the waiter approaches. Yes, and the doctor, his first question is just like, "Oh, you know, this menu's too big." Blah 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 blah. Have you got a children's menu? And then, like yeah. five minutes later in the conversation, the waiter goes, "Yes." And the doctor goes, "Well, what do you mean, yes?" He goes, "Yes, we have a children's menu." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, none of the customers are eating or breathing. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. clearly automatons as well. Yes. Uh, they're all clockwork and they stand as the Doctor and Clara try to leave. Yeah, every time they take a couple of steps, they all take a couple of steps as well, just kind of closing in on them. Yeah. So, so, as the waiter scans them for organs, mm-hmm. because I think the Doctor says, what's on the specials? And he goes, yeah. liver, eyes, He's, yeah. Heart. Well, actually, he doesn't say heart. I thought he was mm. going to say hearts. Yeah. As, you know, that classic Time Lord biology yeah. thing. You know, if you're going to list the Doctor's organs, mm. the most significant one is the fact maybe, he's got two hearts. Maybe they don't need any more hearts at the moment. Maybe yeah. they're just more interested in his liver. Yeah. So, like we say, the waiter is scanning them. The Doctor just rips his face off. Yes. Yeah. Just gruesome. to check. And yeah. we find out that he's also clockwork. Yeah. And I like that he's sort of like um, saying like, ah, oh, it's a face. And, and like he he pops it on Clara's face to sort of test it. And, and Clara's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's very realistic. He's like, no, no, it's an actual face. Yeah. And, she uh, didn't seem yeah. too impressed by that. No, no. Um, so the Doctor and Clara are strapped into their chairs and they drop through the floor. Yes. Yeah. And at this point, the Doctor works out they're in some sort of larder, um, Mm. which I don't think other people outside of Britain will know what that is. It's basically a food storage area, isn't it? Yes. It's a very old-fashioned English word. It is, yeah. Um, And in order to escape, the Doctor tries to shuffle the sonic screwdriver across. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when he's sort of unsuccessful at first, he says that he misses Amy, because obviously... 
uh, Clara's legs aren't long enough to reach. Whereas <laughs> yeah. Amy infamously had very long legs. Indeed. Um, so yeah, they yeah. escape and find the original half-faced man. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's charging himself up. He's in like a docking station, isn't he? He is, yeah. And yeah. the doctor works out that he doesn't have matching hands. One's like mm-hmm. a big freaky alien hand. One's a human hand. Mm-hmm. And he says... Unlike normal cyborgs, which are men turning themselves into robots, this is a robot trying to turn itself into a man. Yeah, sort of inverse Cybermen, if you like. Yeah. Well, it made me think of Town Called Mercy. Yeah. That's, I think that's the last time we've seen sort of robotic engineering. On a... Yeah, where, where, where ones where it's like it's they present more human than, yeah. than robot. Yeah. Yeah. So it powers up the half faced yeah. man and the doctor and Clara try to leave, except the doctor says, Well it's there's no point in us both getting caught, so he just shuts the door behind him and Clara's trapped with it. Yeah. Which and bit, that's bit of is, a dick move. Yeah, uh, very much a dick move. Yeah. It's not the sort of thing you could imagine Matt Smith doing. No, not at all. But yeah. again, that's pretty much the show just saying, look, things are different. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's taking these opportunities to provide points of contrast mm. with what we've seen previously. So, we, we didn't mention this before, yeah. but um, earlier on in the restaurant, the Doctor said, in order to escape from the robots, they should hold their breath to try and fit in. Yeah, yeah. So if the robots yeah. aren't breathing, perhaps if yeah. they didn't breathe, they wouldn't be spotted. Mm-hmm. So whilst the half-faced man's investigating, Clara holds yeah. her breath to trick it. Yeah. And it seems to work. Oh my god, this scene, Matt. Well, I I thought at first, oh, she's going to escape, but the bit yeah. where she turns the corner and there's yeah, and another there's corridor filled yeah. with these cyborgs. I yeah. was just like, fucking hell. And yeah, it's... Jenna Coleman, you you can see, like she is genuinely like suffocating. If yeah, she's not, yeah, that is can... fantastic acting. Yeah, it's it's fantastic acting. The 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 sound design is amazing. The editing when you have got those sort of flashes of like yellow and red in the corners of the screen as she's you're getting her point of view mm. and the, the 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 physical strain. Um, it's it is genuinely I think it's one of the tensest scenes uh, I I've ever seen in Doctor Who. Every time I'm just I I, f- I can sort of feel myself sort of just clenching. Yeah. Um. Oh goodness. Yeah. It's it's so so well done. Yeah. And. Uh. Yeah. And and that horrible moment, as you say, when she turns the corner, there's yet more of them, and you're just like, oh no, she's 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 buggered. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So yeah, she collapses from not breathing. Yes. And whilst unconscious, she remembers an awful teaching experience. Yeah. Does this bring any flashbacks for you? No, because that is not what teaching is like at all. <laughs> you know, you see it a lot on TV where a teacher yeah. enters a room and everyone's like throwing paper. Mm. You know, I mean, it might be the case in some schools, but I think largely I think poss- the student demographic are not all absolute animals. Yeah, I think possibly... It's a sign of the fact, because I don't know if you're aware, Stephen Moffat was an English teacher. 
really? before he was a professional writer. I think he and he had a sort of decent stint, sort of five, ten years or something. Um, and one of his first gigs as a professional writer was he wrote he wrote a sitcom called Chalk, which was you know kind of based on his experiences as a teacher. Hmm. Um, so I think possibly he's writing from the perspective of someone who who hasn't been teaching since the eighties. Yeah, you know. And maybe schools were a bit more like that back then. But yeah, I don't really recall ever being in a classroom where everyone is just running riot to that extent. Yeah. You'd have, like, the dickheads acting up, but not the whole class. No. Um, and, you know, the way she handles it by saying, yeah. oh, I'll get you all excluded. Yeah. You know, you, you never take that approach. No, but that's the whole point, and the reason we get this is is it kind of sets us up for later, because mm. um, it's this that was a learning moment for Clara, and um, you know kind of feeds into the conclusion of this story. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So yeah. So but, the Clockwork Man basically sell, says, "Tell me where the Doctor is, or I'll kill you." Mm-hmm. And repeating what the student in this flashback said to Clara. She goes, oh well, go on then. You know, if you yeah. can't kill, if you kill me, you can't find out where the doctor is. So, yeah, you know, you're using your biggest threat first, and it's not worked. You've got nowhere else to go. Yeah. Um. So then he says, oh well, I'm going to hurt you a lot because he's got a flamethrower for a hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And she says, well, you know, you've stepped down now, so that's less of a threat. Yeah. You know, if you do that, you've got nowhere else to go. Again. Yeah. He's um, like, I, I, you know, I can endure a lot of pain, she says, to to not give you the information you need, yeah. you know. Um, and I, I, I like the way she plays it because, like, she is defiant, but also she is scared. And you can tell that she is scared. She's not, like, trying yeah. to even mask the fact that she is yeah, frightened. Yeah, she openly admits but, to him yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Um, so we find out at this point that the half-faced man is very, very, very old. Mm-hmm. And he wants to reach the promised land. Yeah. I mean... Which, yeah, who knows? Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, maybe t- touch on that a little bit later. Yeah. So, we find out that the Doctor is secretly disguised as one of the droids. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Clara says, you know... I'm not that scared because the Doctor's always had my back. Yeah, so if the Doctor is still the Doctor, yeah, is how she phrases it. But then, then we do get a bit back. of a bait and switch because yeah. when we see her reach out thinking the Doctor's going to take her hand, yeah. it is this big droid that grabs her. Yes. So I was yeah. like, oh my God, he's not there. But then he yeah. is the droid. Yeah. So nicely done, thing. nice bit of direction on that. Yeah. The, um, do- the Doctor says, you know, I've been here the whole time and... You've revealed all your info. This yeah. isn't going to end well. Yes. Yeah. And then Clara says, "Well, don't worry that much because we've got a secret code word to summon the Paternoster Gang, mm-hmm. which of course is Geronimo." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like the fact that Vastra and Jenny come down on these ribbons. It's really eloquent, really yeah. kick-ass. And then yeah. Strax just falls like a ton of bricks. <laughs> yeah. And this is the way that Jenny says, look, we told you before, take the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as they're summoned, uh, the half-faced man also summons his droids. Yes. Okay. So he himself escapes, followed by mm-hmm. the Doctor. 
Yeah. Uh, because we find out that the restaurant is actually part of a crashed spaceship. Yeah. B- buried for centuries, potentially. Yeah. Um, so, whilst the Paternoster gang are sort of in the belly of the ship, yeah. the Doctor and the Half-Faced Man move back yeah. up into the restaurant. I do feel the need to point out, once again, we are promised some kind of like kick-ass action with the Paternoster gang, swords out and guns blazing. And the, the, the BBC just doesn't have the budget to actually, you know, follow through on that. So it's kind of just left to the imagination. We get we get a lot of close-ups of people grimacing and uh, the odd laser blast, and that, that's about it. Um, so, yeah. when the half-faced man enters the restaurant area, mm-hmm. the doctor's sat there and he pours a drink for both of them. Yes. Um, and he discusses how they are robots from the past trying to get home. Mm-hmm. And he uses the old only fools and horses analogy of, you know, if you have a broom and you replace the handle and then later replace the head, is it the same broom? Mm-hmm. And he's explaining to the half-faced man that he's replaced his parts so many times that he's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, there's what there's almost more human in him than, than robots. And yeah. And whilst it's been sort of acknowledged we do get it clearly stated here that they're the same type of robots from Girl in the Fireplace. Yes, yeah. So this is the SS Marie Antoinette, is their ship? Yeah, as yeah opposed so it's to a the, sister ship. Yeah. yeah, as opposed to the Pompadour, which is the yeah. one we've seen in the past. Yeah. Okay. Um, I really like this. I, I like that it's not it's not a, um, a monster I ever expected to come back, but they've always been a favourite of mine. You know, I love the design of the original ones, and I love that it's kind of inverted here, and I love the design of these ones as well. Mm. It's it, it it's a classic example of uh, doing a sequel and and actually doing something different with it. Yeah, because if you look at the Weeping Angels sequel, yeah. I think they've actually got progressively worse. A lot of people will have that opinion. It's basically diminishing returns for every... Yeah, because they're trying too hard to show you what was great about that first episode, Mm. but not hitting the same beats. Whereas he... Go on, sorry. No, I was going to say, personally, I I will defend uh, the uh, Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. I think that's a really good story, and it's it's very distinct from what Blink was. So... Mm. I, I think it, it, it stands up, you know, on its own. Everything since, though, no. I've yeah. got no time for it. Whereas um, here, yeah, with this, you know, yeah. in, in Girl in the Fireplace, the technology's still quite rudimentary. Yeah. Whereas here, it still sort of is, but we've mm. seen it come on because obviously there's been a few hundred years since. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I quite like that. I, mm-hmm. Like you say, I never thought we'd see them back, but here we are. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one of the things that the half-faced man has been gathering when he talks about his organs that he's been gathering is skin. Yeah. And we see that the ship is being lifted by a skin hot air balloon. Yes, yeah, which is grim. 
it's absolutely <laughs> gruesome because you can see all the different flesh tones and you know the number of victims must be quite high because it's like a patchwork of skin yeah yeah but i think that's quite a shocking but effective visual definitely yeah yeah this is this definitely is one of the uh, especially for a first episode with a new doctor this is dark stuff oh yeah like there's a lot of humor which kind of ta- you know takes the edge off it but if you kind of whittle down to the basics this is really quite horrible you know they you know they're referencing things like sweeney todd and and stuff like that it's grim stuff yeah well is yeah. it clara that calls it birkin hair in space yes yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so the Doctor then questions the half-face man and says, where did you get that face from? Why did you yeah. choose it? And as he does so, he holds up like a silver serving platter. Mm-hmm. But you it's see a... the Doctor's reflection in the opposite side. Yeah. And he's asking himself the same question. Yeah, absolutely. In the same way he was earlier. Who frowned me this face? So it's it's obviously it's something that's kind of plaguing him. Yeah. Um... And I like this bit where he says, look, I'm either going to kill you or you're going to kill me. But one of us is lying here. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's the thing. Because uh, basically, he, uh, the, the half-faced man says, um, it's not in my basic programming to kill myself. And the doctor says, well, murder isn't in my basic programming. But one of us is lying yeah. about our basic programming. Um, I just want to mention, specifically, with the, with the half-faced man, one of the things I love most is throughout the, the, these scenes, the scene with Clara and the scene with the Doctor here, every time it's thinking and you get these close-ups, you see its little cogs kind of ticking away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just... The, the the design work on it is, is magnificent here. And, and like, you, you, can, you can literally see it pausing and processing, you know, mm. figuring out what, what, is, what is the strategy here. Um, and of course we never quite find out, do we? No, no. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. So Vastra and her gang are still fighting, but all the robots shut down mm-hmm. and we see the reason for that is the half-faced man has either fallen, jumped yeah. or been pushed from this hot air balloon and yeah. is impaled on a church spire. Yes. Again, which... a really striking visual. Mm. Um, there are some, some great. I won't say Ben Wheatley's direction is perfect in this, but there are some really striking choices of uh, you know shots and things. Um, and yeah, we we don't know. Did what? What do you think? If you had to put money on it, what would you, what would you say transpired there? Ah, uh, Doctor killed him. You reckon? Yeah, I think Straight the Doctor up. probably aware that doing so would save his friends. I don't yeah. think he necessarily wanted to. Yeah, but lesser of two evils. Yeah. 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 Could be. So, again, we sort of jump forward to the next day. Yeah. And the Doctor and the TARDIS are missing. Yeah. There's a patch of earth where the TARDIS was stood. Yeah. And you can see it's not there. So, Clara offers to work for Vastra. Yeah. She says, the Doctor's seemingly gone. I'm trapped in this time. Yeah. You're the only people I know. I may as well work for you. Yeah. So the TARDIS does reappear 
Yes, because Vastra points out that she looks like she's dressed to leave because yeah. she's wearing modern clothes. Um, and uh, she says, I think you, you, you know the Doctor better than you think you do. Mm. And uh, yes, lo and behold, the Doctor returns. Yeah. Uh, and we get a new TARDIS set. We do. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, technically, it's the, it's, uh, the same set as Matt Smith's. It's just been redressed. So um, the lighting's changed a bit. Um, he's popped up some bookshelves. Yeah. Which I think suits I like that very he well. says, you know, I wanted some round things on the wall. I feel like I used yeah. to have a lot of round things. Yes, yeah. And this, for my money, is my favourite uh, modern TARDIS. Oh, really? Uh, interior. I'll just stay, say that right now. And it's, this is not a controversial opinion, but I love it. And I think as these series go on, as the Capaldi era continues, I think you will see they use the TARDIS set better than any other era of the show so far, I would right. say. So something to keep an eye on. Um, we, we haven't it, really mentioned this, but earlier in yeah. the episode, the Doctor says to Clara, look, I'm not your boyfriend. Yeah. And when she says, yes, I know, he says, well, no, that's for me rather than yeah. you. Yeah. So I think that's that's a quite an important moment mm. in a lot of ways. I think it, it, it really kind of puts the kibosh on any kind of suggestion of a romantic element to their relationship. Um, this this scene also features. I forget exactly what he's saying in that moment, but I wanted to highlight this specific um, shot where the Doctor is talking about like his identity and his face and stuff, and the way it's framed, it's a close up on Capaldi's face, but it's half obscured by the time rotor in the centre of the TARDIS, mm -hmm. going up and down. And so it's sort of split, it's refracted. So you can see half of his actual face and half of it sort of distorted through the time rotor. Amazing shot. Love that shot. And it really kind of cuts to the heart of what this episode is toying with. All these themes of identity and what, what, what does it mean to be who you are if you're changing, if you're replacing parts of yourself, if you're lifting the veil? All of these different themes that have been teased out and, and kind of puzzled through in various ways all through this story. It's all kind of all kind of crystallising in, in this scene, I feel like. So the Doctor works out that the advert and the one for the phone number mentioned earlier are the same person. Also, Sorry, so I forgot that. I, I, I thought that was established earlier, but you're right. It's it, he's. This is the point where he's sort of speculating on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Clara says, oh, are you dropping me off at home? And he basically yeah. says, well, I can if you want. And she yeah. says, well, I don't know who you are anymore. I don't want to travel with you. Yeah. And this is where her phone rings and the doctor says, oh, who's that? Your boyfriend. Mm. So that's why I wanted to mention that from earlier. Yes, yeah. And of all people, it's Matt Smith. Yeah, but you didn't see that coming. No, because I, I do vividly remember her hanging the phone up on yeah. Friends a lot. Yeah, and she I finds thought that she... was almost just like a full stop to that story. Yeah, it feels it feels complete in that moment. It feels like just a symbolic act, mm. just hanging the phone up there. But yeah, no, actually, whilst she was, you know, off trying to find him, he was using been, that phone. Been, yeah, to make this exact call. Yeah. Yeah. So he calls from Trenzalore 
and basically says, you know, I need you more than ever now. I'm yeah. unsure who I am. You're the person yeah. that can save us. Um, and I like the fact that Capaldi, at, at the end, Clara's like, oh, you shouldn't be eavesdropping on my conversation. Yeah. He goes, well, that was me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. And I like the line yeah. where he says, you know, please just see me as the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, well, I thought that was going to be like quite a nice end. Yes, yeah. I, I like that, you know, Clara gives him a hug and, and he sort of says, I don't think I'm the hugging type. And you get this, this lovely awkward moment where she's giving a hug and, he, and his hands are just sort of like awkwardly out at the sides. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah. yeah. It kind of puts a button on that on that moment. And now we see the clockwork man is actually yes. still alive. Well, is he? He's in the promised land. Yeah. It, I mean... Is it is it heaven? <laughs> Maybe. You know, we is that the route we're going for? We've done time and space. We might as well do religion. Could be. Uh, and um, he's welcomed by Missy. Yeah. Who is a woman weirdly infatuated with the doctor. Yes, refers to him as her boyfriend. Yeah. So, I don't know. This could be almost... In the f- mad, mad future, once River Song's mm. been and gone, does he have another interest? Maybe. And it turns uh, out she's we mention a who's... box of frogs. Yeah. Who do, do we mention who's playing Missy? Uh, do you no, recognise her? I don't think I did. Uh, Michelle Gomez. Um, have you ever seen Greenwing? Uh, on and off. Not ah. massively. She's... Well, ba- okay, basically, Michelle Gomez is... She's best known for comedic work. Probably best known for Greenwing and stuff. Uh, prior to this um and she specializes in fairly unhinged characters i won't say any more than that because uh it's obvious we're setting up her up for you know appearing at, later in in the series at some point yeah uh this is obviously just you know a dangling thread that we are going to yeah. tug at a little more because I, I thought this at a later series date. was all going to be the continuing search for the Doctor's home planet. Yeah. That eludes me at the minute. I can't remember. Gallifrey. Gallifrey. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, it seems we've taken a bit of a left turn and we're going to be looking at this instead. Mm. Who knows? Maybe these things are related. So, Time yeah, will tell. Promised land. Yeah. Um, but yeah, intriguing. I did want to mention, so with regards to the Matt Smith phone call, how did you feel about that? Did that moment work for you? Yeah, I feel I needed it. Yeah, it's really interesting. I feel I needed Matt Smith, you know, like he did when he did regenerate, just to Mm. tell me not to worry, just keep going. Yeah. Um, I think it's really, really interesting because this whole episode really is one great big act of damage limitation mm. maybe uh, uh, like not uh, we'll say anticipated damage limitation it wasn't as though the casting was so controversial that the bbc rushed to the uh, you know put pressure on moffat to say look you need to do something to soften the blow um but i think moffat anticipated that this was going to be a difficult casting for a certain part of the fan base mm. who were used who, you know, if you think ever since, if there is a continuity in many ways, even though they're different personalities, there's a continuity between Tennant and Smith on all those series where you have essentially something of a dashing young hero 
form of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And we are finally getting a return to something more akin to some of the classic Doctors, something more in the vein of Hartnell or or Pertwee, or where it's an older uh, man, perhaps a little more taciturn. And that's... That is, I, I, I get why that's going to be a ch- jarring change for some people. Personally, at, at the time, was yeah. Capaldi a popular choice? Depends who you were talking to. Right. Older fans were, I think, very excited at the prospect. I think a lot of the younger fans were, as I say, found it a little bit more jarring. Yeah, I suppose if you'd become to... accustomed to what the show was at this point. Yeah, yeah, and and that's totally understandable. Uh, what I do think is, I think sometimes, would it have been better to take more of a rip-the-plaster-off approach and just be like, boom, new Doctor, different, get used to it. Whereas what we have here is, you've got the new Doctor, who in themselves is jarring, but you have a returning companion, Returning supporting characters, mm. uh, a, a riff on an old villain. Um, there is a, a, a and to cap it all, you've got this call from the previous Doctor, kind of looking down the camera and reassuring the viewers, "Don't worry, it's the same show, same character, just different face. You'll you'll be fine. Trust me." All of which I feel like, do we need all of that? Would it is it almost a disservice to Capaldi? to kind of saddle him with so much pre-existing stuff mm. just to make viewers comfortable with the change. And what that also does is, as, as, we, as we touched on, whilst it makes potentially softens the blow and makes it more accessible for fans who are picking up, who have been following the show for the however many previous years, it makes it a terrible jumping on point for anyone coming in yeah, wanting definitely. to just check out the new Doctor. So I'm not saying it's the wrong choice, but what I'm saying is they they very definitely, that was the choice they made and they went for it 100%. And I kind of wonder whether maybe they could have pulled back on that a little bit and just let the new Doctor be the new Doctor a bit more. I don't know. I'm excited to see the next episode where we do get a full... Capaldi story. Yeah. If you yes, I, mean. I feel like we've we've hopefully we've gotten a lot of the a lot of the sort of faffiness out of the way, and and we're going to get, start to get to see yeah who I this think, doctor I really is. I feel like is. this is one of the episodes we need, rather one of the episodes we want. Mm, yeah, yeah. But as I say, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I really everything that takes place around the restaurant slash spaceship, that's just a great Doctor Who story in its own right. Uh, there's just there's a lot of surrounding stuff that kind of bloats it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where we go from here. Uh, interesting to note, same director again next week, Ben Wheatley. So do okay. keep an eye on some of the directorial flourishes, if you like, because yeah. I do think uh, that's something to 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 uh, be aware of. And uh, the next episode is called Into the Dalek. Gets it out of the way nice and early, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. You know it's coming sooner or later. Yeah, so, but I uh, suppose if you're going to try and establish a new doctor, you may as well yeah. just make him 
kick some wheelie bins for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see what let's see what how this new doctor reacts. Um, so until then, as ever, thank you very much for listening, listeners, and uh, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.